Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. One Sabbath, while Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he might say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. If you remember from a few weeks ago, we had two Sundays where we heard about different things that go on inside of a person that you as Christians have to watch out for. The first one is that sleazy defense lawyer who comes to work every day to try to get you off the hook, to try to justify whatever it is that you have done or that you want to do. You have to put that guy to shame. You have to put him out of your heart. You also have to crucify, crucify the desires of your flesh. That's the next thing we heard about from St. Paul. Jesus tells us that out of the heart comes all kind of evil things. And your job as Christians is to trust in God's word, to listen to his promises, and so to put to death the desires of your flesh by saying no. By saying no to the things that you know are contrary to God's word. There's something that we hear about today which also happens inside of your heart. And really you could call it one of the desires of the flesh, but I think it's important to observe that it is one of the most fundamental, most basic desires of the flesh. And that is pride. This is what Jesus is talking about in our gospel lesson. It's what we heard about in Proverbs, it is the sin that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The sin of pride. So if you have one takeaway from today's lessons, it's this. It's to know your place. It's not to be puffed up or to think more highly of yourself than your aunt. It is to know your place. It's to know where you belong. It's to know, to know how you stand. Not just among other people. In fact, we're going to find out that doesn't matter at all how you stand among other people. What matters is how you stand before God. Know your place. Know how you stand before God. Know how you should think of yourself according to God's word. That's the lesson for today. But first of all, just a little bit about how pride works. I think everyone has a good sense of this. But it's important to observe that it's something that happens in your heart. So most of us, when we think about somebody who is proud or arrogant, we are thinking about the kinds of things that they do to set themselves higher than other people. But it begins, as every sin does, it begins inside your heart. It has to do with what you think. 
of yourself. So pride is, in the first instance, thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. Thinking that you are better than you are, that you are worth more than you are, that you are smarter, wiser, more clever, more beautiful than you are. Pride is thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, which usually is not an honest assessment anyways, because the way we measure ourselves usually has to do with other people. We are in the business of comparison. Look at your hearts and you can see this happen all the time. We measure ourselves against other people. And so when you think more highly of yourself than you ought, what you're really thinking is something like that tax collector or that Pharisee thought in the temple when he saw the tax collector off in the other corner praying. He said to himself, thank God, I thank you that I am not like that guy. I thank you that I am better than him. I thank you that I do things that he doesn't do, which he should do. That's pride. Thinking more highly of yourself than you ought Especially, especially when it's in comparison with other people. That's a standard which really doesn't count for anything. It really doesn't count for anything, especially when at the end of the day we find ourselves saying silly things like, Thank God, I thank you, God, that you have made me so humble. I thank you that you've made me so low, that I can trust in you, that I'm not like all of those other proud people. Watch out for that in your heart. And even if you can't see those kinds of direct Statements, those direct thoughts in your heart, watch out for how pride plays out in your life, how it gives way to other sin. So pride is the reason why anybody does any gossiping or backbiting. It's a way of saying, I'm better than another person. Pride gives way to gossip. Pride is the reason why anybody gets angry or vengeful. Think about Cain in his battle with his brother Abel. His brother hadn't done anything to him. But he was proud. Cain was proud. And it burst out of him in anger and vengeance. Pride says something like, I'm better than that. I don't deserve that. I deserve something better. Pride also gives way to coveting and lust. Pride says, I do deserve that. That is mine. That should be mine. What that person has, who that person is, that should be who I am. I deserve better than what I have. Let me have it. Pride gives way to all kinds of manipulation, all kinds of distortion, all kinds of efforts to get other people to approve of you. That sleazy defense lawyer, he's very proud. He wants, at the end of the day, for other people to say, you did all right. You did quite well. Pride gets in the way of all kinds of good works, things that God would approve of. So that's what's going on in our gospel lesson as these Pharisees are gathered together on the Sabbath day. They should be taking rest in God's word and thinking about what they can do to serve others. And here's this poor fellow with dropsy. Not something you may have heard of. It's this affliction where you become sort of swollen with water. And it was often thought that the reason why a person was sick with dropsy is because of some sin in their life. So this poor fellow, he's sitting there at this Sabbath day meal, rejected by everyone else. And all of the Pharisees are around. And Jesus asks them such a simple question. A simple question that everyone should know the answer to. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Is it lawful to do good or to do evil? The Pharisees, in their pride, cannot answer. In their pride, they think that God is going to approve of them by keeping the letter of the law. Meanwhile, they're neglecting the greater thing, loving their neighbor, taking care of this poor fellow that God has put in their presence for them to care for. 
Pride gets in the way of their good works. It even gets in the way of common sense. I love how Jesus talks to the Pharisees here. He tells them this parable. He says, look, when you go to a feast, here's some common sense. Don't sit at the best seat in that feast, because what's going to happen? Somebody who's better than you is going to come along, and then the host is going to say, hey, you've got to give up your seat to this better guy. And then you go, with shame, with shame, Jesus says, to take the lowest seat. Instead, when you go to a party, what you should do is you should take the lowest seat, so that when your host sees you sitting there, he thinks you deserve better, and he offers that you can come sit in a better place. It's an amazing thing. Jesus is pointing out that pride really gets in the way of common sense. That's common sense. Like, if you want to be approved of by the people around you, don't boast about yourself. If you want people to think well of you, don't make more of yourself than you ought. Pride gets in the way even of common sense. But Jesus is here today not teaching us common sense. He's teaching us something even better. He's teaching us divine wisdom. Divine wisdom, the gospel, is not about how to get the best place at a feast. It's not about how to gain the approval of everyone who's at dinner with you. Jesus doesn't care about that, and neither should you. The one you should care about is your Heavenly Father and what He thinks of you. Pride gets in the way of thinking about that, because pride focuses inward. With your eyes fixed inward, you can't look at Jesus. Now there's some irony here in the text because of course the Pharisees who are gathered around Jesus at this party, they were looking at Jesus. Did you hear that at the beginning of the lesson? One Sabbath when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. They were watching him carefully but they were suspicious of him. They were not watching him to see what God thinks of them. They were not watching him to find out about wisdom or promises or blessings from God. They were watching him so that they could lift themselves up. They were not watching him so that they could see how he would lift them up. They were watching him with suspicion. But you, dear Christians, you should watch Jesus differently. You should have your eyes fixed on Jesus, not at all on the people around you, not at all on your friends or family or neighbors with whom you might compare yourself. You should have your eyes fixed on Jesus to find out what he thinks of you. That's what went wrong in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve stopped knowing their place, when they listened to the devil who said to them, look guys, you can be better than God. In fact, God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants to rob you of good things. He's withholding something from you. They stopped listening to God. They started listening to the devil. They stopped trusting what God thought of them, and they started trusting what the devil said about them and what they began to feel in their hearts, that somehow they deserved something better. They took their eyes off of their Heavenly Father, which is, of course, such a tragedy. Although, if I say to you, know your place, it can sound kind of oppressive. Those kinds of words are used to really keep people in their place, to suppress and oppress people. But when those words come from God, know your place, know where you belong, know how you stand in relation to God, It's a wonderful thing because, of course, in the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam and Eve and he put them in a place, it was a place that was for their good, to receive life and blessings from him. It was what he had created them for, to be blessed by him. And when they stepped outside of that place in pride, when they said, we deserve better or we think we can do better for ourselves, what they were stepping outside of was all of God's blessings and outside of his life outside of his promises and his grace and his mercy. 
The place that God had given them was the best place for them. There could be no better place. And when they stopped knowing their place, when they stepped outside of that, when they puffed themselves up and became proud, they lost everything. Which is how it stands with you and me when we come into this world. We have lost everything. That's the first thing to know when you consider how God thinks about you. The first thing to know is what I try to remind you so often when you come into church, is to know yourself according to God's law. What does God say about you according to his law? Consider your life according to the Ten Commandments. Consider your place in life. Are you a husband, wife, father, son, father, son, daughter, mother, wife, worker? Are you any of these things? Do you have a place in life? Have you sinned according to God's Ten Commandments? Have you broken his law? What do you deserve because you've broken his law? What does God say about you and your sin? He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of their fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. He says the wages of sin is death. That's the first thing to know about how you stand before God with nothing to offer him, no grounds for boasting, nothing to claim as your own, nothing whatsoever to be proud of. That's the first thing to know about how you stand before God. But the second thing is so important, in fact, even more important. God promises, after he threatens judgment against those who break his law, he also promises brace and every blessing to those who keep his commandments, to a thousand generations of those who keep his commandments. This is what God thinks of you. He looks at you in pity. He sees you like that poor fellow with dropsy, sitting in the corner, rejected by the world, full of sin, deserving nothing but hell and damnation. He looks on you in his pity, and his heart breaks for you. That's what God thinks of you. That's how God feels about you. That's how he regards you, as one who needs his compassion and mercy. If you want to know what God thinks about you, look to Jesus on the cross. Watch him intently and see how much he was willing to pay to draw you out of death, to rescue you from your sin, to give you something to boast in. Not in yourself, not in something that is fickle and fleeting and a lie, not in something that goes away and something that will always be beaten by someone else, not in any of those things, not in false grounds of boasting, but in him. He gives you himself as your ground of boasting. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah says about boasting. He says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, the Lord, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. This is something you can be proud of. That you have a God who is willing to give up everything for you. That you have a God who, unlike the gods of this world and unlike everyone in this world, a God who is steadfast and faithful and abounding in mercy. A God who desires so desperately to be with you, even when no one else wants to be with you who wants to give you good things when everyone else wants to take them away from you, who wants to lift you up even though you don't deserve it because he wants you to be with him in his kingdom forever. That is the kind of God you have. That is the kind of God you can boast in. That is your pride, that he has called and chosen you. What an amazing gift it is. 
that God has called and chosen you. What an amazing thing it is that God has taken your pride, your pride, which you inherited from Adam and Eve, and he has broken it. None of us could be here on our own. Each one of us would have walked in here all puffed up on our own merits, thinking like that Pharisee that we have something to offer God, had it not been that God had broken our pride. That is what he has done for you. A miracle, really. He has broken your pride. He has brought you low. He has shown you your sin. He has humbled you. Why? So that he can exalt you. So that he can raise you up. So that he can give you life. So that he can bless you and not withhold anything from you. So he can restore to you everything that was lost in the Garden of Eden, all of the things which in pride we would leave behind gladly. He wants them all to be yours. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Look steadfastly at him. Don't look at yourselves. Don't look into your own hearts to try to find something good. When you look at your hearts, recognize them for what they are, full of sin and every evil. And then look to Jesus. Look intently at him. Put your hope in his promises. Trust in him. He is faithful. To him alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.